You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Yeah, oh, I am a scientist. Yeah, oh, I am a scientist. Yeah, oh, I am a scientist. We gotta live on science alone. Welcome to Unbiased Science, where we bring scientific method to the madness. We're your hosts, Dr. Jessica Steyer and Dr. Andrea Love. And boy, do we have a treat for you all today. We are covering a topic that gets requested, I don't know, hundreds of times per week. All <laughs> time. <laughs> Adrenal fatigue. I'm using air quotes and we'll explain why um, in just a little bit. And we have an incredible guest who I'll introduce in just one moment who's going to help us break down this very controversial topic. Uh, before we dive in, I just want to quickly recap last week's episode uh, where we debunked vaginal health myths. So we had the pleasure of welcoming Dr. Jennifer Lincoln, who's an OBGYN, author, educator, and science communicator extraordinaire to help us tackle several vaginal health myths. We started with a quick anatomy primer to set the stage for our discussion. We debunked the myth that the vagina needs to be cleaned with soaps, douches, and other products. Uh, Spoiler alert, it's self-cleaning. Then we really shook things up with a takedown of yoni eggs, which uh, Andrea and (laughs) Jen taught me about, <laughs> new, new to me, um, and vaginal steaming. We went on to discuss vaginal discharge, odor, and some misconceptions about these topics. We then chatted about vaginal detox pearls, also a fun new topic for me, uh, which are potentially dangerous. We also discussed vaginal probiotics, peeing after sex, and finally pubic hair grooming. This was one of our all-time favorite episodes, so if you haven't listened, you definitely want to go back and check that out. And if you want to rock a t-shirt that we just put on our merch site, pubic hair has a purpose. It will all make sense if you listen to the episode. Andrea, Jen, and I all have this shirt so you can get yours and uh, twin with us. So, all right. So let's, um, let's start Chad, actually, Andrea, yeah. I think you, yep. I have one reminder for all of our listeners that, yes, we are a podcast, but we also post lots of science content and infographics to multiple social media platforms regularly. Please follow us on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn at Unbiased SciPod. We are even tipping, dipping our toe into the world of TikTok. Hashtag thanks, Jess. Um, Much to Andrea's chagrin. (laughs) (laughs) We also offer a Substack subscription if you want more content. The Substack basically offers extended content and additional details, more granularity if you want to really dig into the science. Um, We post content there daily that goes beyond what we share publicly on social media. You can subscribe to Substack for $5 a month. That's less than a Frappuccino. Um, And you can be part of the herd. The subscription grants you access to all of our paywalled content, but it also allows you to weigh in on podcasts and post topics. It gets you access to our private Facebook group, as well as a monthly live Q&A and a continuous discount on our merchandise. So you can sign up there at the unbiased 
And speaking of which, today we are going to feature three questions from Substack subscribers uh, for our Heard from the Herd segment. So really looking forward to having those addressed. Uh, without any further ado, I'm really excited to introduce today's guest, Dr. Eve Bloomgarden. Dr. Eve Bloomgarden is a co-founder and the chief operating officer of the Illinois Medical Professionals Action Collaborative Team. Impact. She is a board-certified endocrinologist at North Shore University Health System, director of thyroid care, and the director of endocrine innovation and education for the Division of Endocrinology at North Shore. Dr. Bloomgarden received her medical degree from New York University and completed residency and fellowship training at the Hospital of the University of Pennsylvania. Woo woo, Philly! Dr. Blo- Sorry, I had to. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Bloomgarden's clinical expertise is in the diagnosis and management of thyroid disorders and thyroid cancer, as well as pituitary and adrenal disorders. So, I mean, who better yes. to chat about this topic, <laughs> For right? For real. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Bloomgarden speaks and teaches on the role of healthcare professionals in countering misinformation and disinformation using social media. And actually, um, congratulations to Impact for just recently publishing an article on social media misinformation in the New England Journal of Medicine. And we will definitely link to that article in our show notes. She's also passionate about closing the gender gap and reaching gender equity in healthcare and is the chief development officer of Women in Medicine nonprofit organization. She loves spending time with her husband and children. You can follow her on Twitter at EveBMD and you can follow Impact on Twitter and Instagram at Impact4, the number 4, HC. Welcome. Can I call you Eve? Can oh, we call you Eve? Yes. Please call me Eve for the purposes of this conversation. We are friends and, co- and colleagues and call me Eve. And I'm sure you have quite a bit to say about this topic. <laughs> um, I sure do. So, so, so let's just set the stage here. We, we like to remind folks that so many of the topics that we cover, they're industries, right? So there's an entire industry around adrenal fatigue. So self-proclaimed specialists, and I use this term very loosely, claim that 80% of Americans experience adrenal fatigue. They say that our adrenal glands become fatigued, typically as a result of prolonged repetitive stress and the output of key regulatory hormones like master stress hormone cortisol um, being diminished. Now, Jess, so, you know, I, yeah. I want to say here, you know, endocrinologists are the specialists of adrenal glands, thyroid glands, the endocrine system, our hormone-based system, the specialists that you're referring to are, are not endocrinologists. Uh, that is correct. <laughs> Thank you for making that very clear. These are not endocrinologists. And you know what's frustrating is that these people are throwing around these terms. And so if you aren't trained in endocrinology, if you don't understand um, you know, how our body works and hormones and all that stuff, this seems like a a real scary diagnosis. So I couldn't find an exact dollar amount for the adrenal fatigue industry specifically, but a quick Google search returned, honestly, dozens, if not like hundreds of, of supplements. And a lot of this has become popular since Gwyneth Paltrow, queen of goop, announced that she was suffering from adrenal fatigue about five years ago. 
So I just have to chat about this for a second. So um, <laughs> I'm like fumbling my words here because I just can't <laughs> even wrap my brain around this. But so so she came out and said that she um, had been suffering from a lack of energy, brain fog, and dark under eye circles. I mean, welcome. It's called being human. Uh, but she and her doctor uh, teamed up to create a new supplement plan for adrenal fatigue, which which she was quote unquote diagnosed with. And so she launched with her doctor, Goop Wellness, which is a supplement line with single portion packs that combines more conventional supplements like vitamin D with alternative remedies like, and Andrea, I know you have a lot to say about this, <laughs> adaptogenic herbs. And you taught me that's not a real thing, Yeah, right? I mean, adaptogen is the new buzzword to go along with all of these other supplements. And they claim that, you know... These adaptogens, you know, are are herbs that <laughs> yeah they help you adapt, right? And and again, this is just a new marketing buzzword, and you know, I hear it on ad reads from some of my favorite podcasts too, and it makes me cringe every time I hear it. Well, I'm so glad you could um, address that here. Um, so let's see here. So they created this adrenal fatigue treatment lineup called. Why am I so effing tired? Which includes a blend of, oh goodness, phytonutrients derived from plants that they say activate good cellular communication and good fats, ashwanda and holy basil. Andrew, you have to, you, I need you both to explain to me what's going holy on here. Basil. So yeah, I mean, so these are just, these are just herbs, right? Ashwagandha and holy basil. And they're claiming that again, there are these adaptogens that are supposedly going to help your body, you know, deal with chronic stress. Okay. And I'm sure you were going to talk about whether or not that's that's a thing. Right. And also things like, am I saying this right? Gl- glycerated, glycerated licorice, yeah. um, which they say give the adrenals a boost. Again, this is all from the supplement website. This is not coming from, from, uh, from endocrinologists. But, okay, so, so, but, but, yeah. you know, if you didn't know any better, right, they're throwing around these words that sound somewhat scientific, you know, in a really abstract world, like, you know, Cellular communication is a physiological process, but of course they're co-opting it to try and convince people to buy these supplements and they're, you know, misattributing it or misusing the phrase without people's fundamental understanding. So, you know, it it stands to reason that people are going to be convinced and persuaded by this, right? It's good marketing. And especially if they are suffering with something, you know, if maybe they are feeling more fatigued than usual and it's a chronic issue. You know, if, if people are feeling unwell, they're looking for answers. And if so, if someone's handing you a diagnosis on a platter and then, oh, look, I have a magical <laughs> cure for that issue, you know, people are going to be susceptible to that. So once again, always we like to get this disclaimer, we're not shaming anyone who's received this diagnosis we're here to educate you um and and just yeah give you the actual science but behind what is and is not um going on here so okay so um let's Eve? yeah i yeah. was gonna say let's let's start <laughs> let's start kind of from the basics so adrenal fatigue again is this false diagnosis that claims that your adrenal glands are are literally becoming fatigued 
because of prolonged stress and that it's affecting the output of cortisol, which is a key hormone. So let's maybe talk a little bit about what the adrenal glands are and what they do. And then we can talk a little about what cortisol is. So Eve, I'm going to hand it over to you to kind of start the primer. Perfect. And thank you um, both for having me on to talk about this really important topic, which comes up in my clinic all the time and um, (laughs) comes up in daily conversations with friends and family all the time as well. Um, You know, and I think cutting to the the very, you know, most important point here is that adrenal fatigue is not a diagnosis that is recognized by endocrinologists or by any uh, evidence-based medical society. And it is really a theory that was proposed actually a very long time ago. I think in the 1900s was the first time this popped up. But it is a theory only that is an, um, it, it is misinformation, it's a myth, and it is not, you can't prove or disprove it really, um, which is the, one of the fundamental issues. But the adrenal glands are, are endocrine glands. They are, um, there's two of them, and they sit on top of your kidneys. And they basically regulate various hormones. The one that we're talking about here is they regulate cortisol, which is uh, your fight or flight hormone. And cortisol is involved in almost every cellular process and physiologic process in the body. It's something that's very, very tightly regulated and monitored involving your hypothalamus, your pituitary, your adrenals. And um, there is no evidence anywhere in the scientific literature and there is no debate among true medical experts that adrenal fatigue is a thing. Simply put, your adrenal glands do not get tired. They don't give up. They don't burn out. And that's a great point. So, you know, as as Eve just mentioned, you know, cortisol is is produced and released into the bloodstream when we're under stress. And it is uh, what we call a glucocorticoid. It's actually synthesized from cholesterol. And it has far-ranging effects because there are receptors for cortisol in every tissue in our body. So it affects things like our nervous system, our immune system, our cardiovascular system, our respiratory system, our reproductive system, and even our integumentary system, which is our skin and our connective tissue. And so cortisol is, as Eve mentioned, regulated by the pituitary gland, and it helps our body manage stress. It helps actually convert protein into to sugar during that fight or flight response. It also um, coordinates with insulin to maintain and monitor blood sugar levels. It helps contribute to reducing inflammation. It also participates in blood pressure maintenance, and it also helps regulate the immune system, including things like inflammatory T-cells. It suppresses antibody production, and it can also reduce um, inflammatory cell migration. And so it's a very critical hormone. The, the adrenal glands are very critical glands, but they're very tightly regulated. And so that, that's exactly spot on. That was probably even better, well, better said than what I would have come <laughs> up with. Um, uh, that was great. But the other thing is there are absolutely disease states where you have either excessive um, adrenal function, so adrenal hyperfunction, something called Cushing syndrome, and that is a, a very clear kind of clinical pathology, and there it is very serious. There is the opposite of that, which is something called adrenal insufficiency, which can be autoimmune, can be um, traumatic, can be from pituitary disease. One of the um, ways that people refer to this sometimes is called Addison's disease, which is the autoimmune adrenal um, disorder cause, causing adrenal insufficiency. And those are life, um, you know, they're critical as well. Those things, if not treated, will will lead to serious morbidity and mortality. Um, and so there are disorders of 
the adrenals that are serious, that are recognized, that we can test for and that we can treat. So Andrea, something I know that you and I have in common is that we both love being cozy. And I'm sure that a lot of our listeners are in the same boat. So I think we have to put them on to Cozy Earth. Now, I started using Cozy Earth's bamboo bedding. Their sheets are incredible. Um, I'm someone who suffers with nighttime sweating, and it keeps me up all night, leading to insomnia, and I'm just a mess the next day. I'm in a similar boat, and... You know, I used to not fully appreciate the value of high quality sheets and helping with my insomnia. Well, I tell you, if you go Cozy Earth, you will never return (laughs) to those other sheets. They're super soft. And the cool thing is that even after you wash them, they say super soft. They're temperature regulating. I just can't say enough. And the awesome people at Cozy Earth are offering our followers a 40% off discount on their incredible selection. 40% off is the highest discount code they offer. So thank you, Cozy Earth. So all you have to do is head to CozyEarth.com and enter in the promo code UnbiasedScience40 at checkout. All right, Jess, I still have to shamelessly plug one of my new favorite sodas, which is called Olipop. It's a new kind of soda that tastes delicious, but is also loaded with fiber. I'm a huge fan. They have so many flavors. Um, I think my favorite is still, I love the orange squeeze flavor and their grape. Are those, Same. I think those, those are your are, favorites too, those right? Those are my two favorites, but they just came out with this tropical punch flavor that I literally need to get my hands on immediately. And I'm running to the store right now. <laughs> <laughs> One of the perks is each can has nine grams of fiber and they're also low in added sugar. So you can drink this completely guilt-free while also supporting your GI health. So if you want to give it a shot, you can head over to their website and you'll get 20% off plus free shipping on your order. Just head on over to drinkolipop.com slash unbiased or use the code unbiased at checkout to claim this deal. That's D-R-I-N-K-O-L-I-P-O-P dot com slash unbiased. All right, so this is a great time um, to have our Herd from the Herd segment. So question one comes from Substack subscriber Bridge, who says that she had lots of symptoms blamed on adrenal fatigue that ended up being anemia and undiagnosed ADHD. Are there health and well-being consequences to chronic stress or long-term sleep deprivation? Basically saying that she knows that adrenal fatigue is, is not a real diagnosis. So are there actual real diagnoses that are consequences to chronic stress or, or long-term sleep deprivation? So I'm, I think this is a great question. And I'm sorry this happened to, to this person who asked it because unfortunately I hear this way too often. Um, And there are real consequences to being labeled as having adrenal fatigue because what that doesn't do is it doesn't actually address what brought you in for care in the first place. And, um, you know, so if somebody with anemia, you know, maybe they're they're bleeding somewhere. Maybe there's a hematologic disorder. You know, these are things that are serious and need to be addressed. And when you get a diagnosis that is not a real diagnosis and you are put on potentially treatments or supplements that are at the very least doing nothing, but at the, you know, but oftentimes are causing harm, 
you get a delay in the diagnosis of what's really going on with you. And also you have new risks related to things that you have potentially been recommended to take um, like supplements. And so that's the first part of the answer. The second part of your question, which is, are there health and well-being consequences? Of course there are. So, you know, in particular, long-term sleep deprivation, and I am not a sleep expert, but I, this is something that comes up daily in my office, absolutely has, has clinical effects. And, it, you know, sleep deprivation at its extreme can, can be fatal. But certainly if you're not getting enough sleep, it affects your metabolism, it affects your mood, it affects, you know, your blood pressure, your cardiac function, you know, really everything is really somehow related back to sleep um, and, and or the lack of sleep or, you know, sleep apnea is a great example of when things go awry, the consequences of that. Chronic stress is a little bit harder to answer um, because, you know, chronic stress is a very subjective symptom and sign and it is also something that really many, many, many people, I would say it's, it's unusual to hear somebody who does not feel that they have li are living under chronic stress. Now, if you define stress differently, meaning if you define stress as the overproduction of cortisol such that you have excessive glucocorticoids running through your system, that can be pathologic. And that is what Cushing syndrome is, which can be either from taking over, you know, taking prescription steroids for an underlying condition and or making too much steroid or cortisol on your own. We call that, you know, being under chronic stress all the time, and that absolutely has all of the effects that you mentioned um, in terms of cardiovascular dysfunction, diabetes, osteoporosis, and fractures, immunosuppression, or immunocompromised states. Thank you, Eve. That was great. And I was, um, also, Andrea, I think, yeah, yeah. I was, I was also <laughs> going to chime in that, you know, of course, our immune system, which also helps to regulate all of these physiological processes, and is one of the body systems that touches every other body system you know, sleep and stress are critical for, you know, reducing stress and, and good quality sleep are critical for optimal immune system function. So yeah, mm -hmm. for, for sure they, they can, you know, snowball into pathological conditions. And I think it's important for people to understand that like our body does have a concerted stress response, right? And this is regulated by the hypothalamic pituitary axis. So when we're stressed, um, and, and this is going to be, I'm going to talk mostly about like an acute stress. So like when we trigger our sympathetic nervous system, that's our flight or fight response, right? We have a cascade of, of hormone release, hormone signaling, physiological responses. The part of the brain called the amygdala is processing that fear um, and emotional stimuli to determine how our body needs to react. And so the amygdala then signals to the hypothalamus. The hypothalamus activates other areas of the sympathetic nervous system. And that then triggers those adrenal glands to release other hormones called like epinephrine. And so that's going to lead to things like increased heart rate, increased respiration rate. And then the body's going to continue to kind of perceive and interpret whatever the, the stress is, this threat that it's perceiving. Um, then the hypothalamus is going to activate that that hypothalamic pituitary axis, and that's going to lead to that cortisol release. And the cortisol is going to then allow the body to continue to stay on high alert, and that's going to be involved in the protein and glucose metabolism that we talked briefly about. That's going to allow the body to have energy that it needs if it needs to run away or if it needs to fight a threat. Um, and that's also going to provide blood glucose to the brain. Um, it's cortisol also acts on liver, muscle, fat tissue, the pancreas. Um, it has really wide reaching effects. And so 
you know, cortisol enhances the activity of a lot of other hormones in our body. Um, it also, as I mentioned, helps to regulate insulin. Um, it helps increase the release of free fatty acids for more energy. So it's it's obviously got very far-reaching implications. And so it makes sense that it can be used as a scapegoat here. And so when people are diagnosed with adrenal fatigue, again, quote, air quotes here, they're typically seeking help from a doctor because they're experiencing fatigue, chronic pain, and lethargy. And as we've talked about with some other pseudoscience-based diagnoses, those are really generic, right? A lot of medical issues can cause fatigue. About 30% of adults report unexplained chronic fatigue or pain. And that's actually something that has led to the increase in diagnosis of other pseudoscience diagnoses like chronic Lyme disease even. Mm -hmm. And so people want a concrete diagnosis, right? They want a name to put on their symptoms and that's where adrenal fatigue comes into play. And so this theory that we're going to talk a little bit more about where it came about is that the chronic stress that people are experiencing, I think Jess, you said the claim was that 80% of people have adrenal fatigue. Mm -hmm. This chronic stress that as Eve mentioned, pretty much every single person probably lives with some degree of chronic stress leads to the adrenals producing too much cortisol and then it drains them of their energy. And then this causes all these generic and nonspecific symptoms. And so the symptoms that are attributed to adrenal fatigue include low energy, brain fog, depressive mood, salt and sweet cravings, lightheadedness, fatigue, and other vague symptoms. I wish you could see my face right now. I check off um, pretty much every box. <laughs> well, that's um. the whole point is that everybody does. Yeah. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's it, that's the real harm here lies in the fact that it is, you know, our brains are designed to really try and connect all the dots into one answer that is, you know, that solves the problem of why why we're feeling the way we are or why, um, you know, nobody can figure it out. So if you take a disorder that can manifest itself in any possible way that you would ever present to the physician's office or to the doctor's office, and then you say, but there's no way to really test it unless you go to somebody who is offering out, you know, out-of-pocket cost tests that are not validated, but that's because they are the only ones who really know the truth. And then you kind of make it a conspiracy and then you offer something that's going to fix all of this and you make it trendy and sexy the way that like the misinformation and health and wellness industry has done it. It's you're, t- you're basically just taking advantage of human nature and really putting people in harm's way. And it's, it's, you know, it's egregious in my opinion to what, what is happening yes. in this situation. Yeah. And, How is and, this not criminal? Right. And, and, <laughs> the right sorry. and the mind boggling thing is that Eve, you know, what you just summarized with regard to adrenal fatigue diagnosis is applicable to all of these fad yes. faux diagnoses, chronic Lyme disease, even things like the fake food sensitivities, right? Oh, are you feeling fatigued? Don't eat dairy. Yeah. That'll cure you. You know, it's, it's all of this. They the use anti-inflammatory science. thyroid Correct. stuff. It's made Correct. up. It's made up. And it's, and you it's, know, being circulated by people who are invested in making money making off money. of people believing what they're saying. And they have bypassed all of the scientific method. They are going outside of the regulatory systems in place to keep people safe in this country and around the world. And then they are using social media and other, you know, kind of amplification tactics um, to get in your face with things that simply are not true. And then what the, the saddest part is 
I have patients come in after spending years trying to figure out what's wrong with them, tens of thousands of dollars that they've paid out of pocket, like paragraphs of, of what's wrong with them, and none of it's true or medically yeah. acceptable. And really what's going on is they have some serious other stuff that was completely missed because somebody right. who's not a licensed uh, physician has made something up and sold them a uh, snake oil, essentially. Right. And and we'll get into this in just a minute, but a lot of these supplements or treatments they're prescribing can obviously exacerbate or interact with other medical issues they have or medications they're taking and can actually make the problem worse. And Eve, I was just going to say, you know, you, I can't imagine how you must feel, honestly, as an endocrinologist to be, you know, vilified by this industry, <laughs> you know, they're vilifying, yeah. quote, whatever, Western medicine, allopathic medicine, medicine, and talking about how it's all about money and, you know, they're talking about pharmacials. But they're, this is an industry and they're making millions of dollars. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I would say I don't feel like, I don't feel vilified and I don't feel like, um, I'm not upset that they are, you know, bad-mouthing endocrinologists. What, what upsets me is just what's happening to my patients yeah. and the, right, um, right. you know, how, how it affects day-to-day lives of people that I care about. And I also am annoyed that I have to continue to clean up the mess Right. And that there's no regulation on this in any way so that people are really left as victims of these scams and cons. Yes. The exploitation and the preying on people that are simply looking for answers, I think, is the, mm-hmm. the thing that gets me the most for sure. Absolutely. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So before we move on um, to the next topic, we actually, while we're talking about cortisol, we have another question um, heard from the herd for Eve. So uh, this question comes from Substack subscriber Colt, who says that this topic is near and dear to his heart. um, And he wants to know, are there ways to mitigate cortisol levels and should we? So The answer is actually a very complicated answer, but I think it's more of a, um, I like the second part of the question, which is, and should we? Because really, you know, your body is really an amazing thing. And the way that we regulate hormones in the endocrine system is really moment to moment, meaning, you know, there is a negative feedback loop that runs from, you know, the hypothalamus to the pituitary, to the adrenal glands and the periphery, and it feeds back to the pituitary. So it's a thermostat. You know, you're, you're, you set the temperature of what you need, what, what amount of cortisol you need in the moment. The signal goes out, your adrenal glands respond, and then the system shuts itself off. So from one moment to another, from one hour to another, your levels are different because they're supposed to be. And, and you know, the external environment is not something you can control. There is also, you know, cortisol is highest in the morning and then goes down throughout the day. So there are patterns and diurnal variations and things that are normal versus abnormal. But the true answer to this is unless you have one of those two kind of extremes, either adrenal sufficiency or Cushing's, you know, the the in-between, it's not worth your while to try and mitigate this in any way that gets down to like monitoring your cortisol. 
yes, it's a good idea to regulate, you know, the amount of stress you have in your life to try and fix things like insomnia or anxiety, um, you know, but, but that is not going to be directed at fixing the cortisol. It's fixing kind of the general things that are confounding human beings at this time is going to affect your cortisol, but it, it's not, you're not going to go after that target hormone directly. It's not, it's not practical. It's not possible. And it's, it, it, there's no actionable thing to do if you're looking directly to the cortisol itself. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's a great that's a great answer even. I think I think you underscore the complexity of all of the sensing and signaling and regulation that goes on within our bodies. You know, it, unless you have a le- legitimate medical diagnosis that's related to dysfunction, you don't need to be trying to regulate it externally or perturb it or manipulate it. And I think I think that's something that gets lost right in in the wellness industry it's very important so like if you look through the icu you're gonna and you start measuring cortisol levels on patients in the icu those levels are through the roof right i mean they're so high and that's appropriate they're appropriately elevated for the amount of severe stress that that person is in because of how critically ill they are right if you look at you know physicians who have pulled 24-hour shifts and you know haven't slept yet and are hungry and tired and stressed out. I mean, their cortisols are through the roof. It's adapt- It's allowing you to function, and it, it is not a pathology. And that's the that's the key difference. Um, that you know, the level is intended to vary all the time based on what situation and environment you're in. When it is fixed, you know, let's say somebody with Cushing's syndrome or Cushing's disease, they have a fixed elevation in their ster- in their cortisol levels. It doesn't go up or down. It doesn't respond appropriately to stress. It's just always high. That's pathologic, and that is something that is not hard to diagnose, and there are absolutely validated dynamic testing and, and ways to make that diagnosis, and there are treatments. You know, but that, there is a difference between appropriate variations and inappropriate or pathologic changes. Yeah, yeah, it's a great point. So let's talk about the the diagnosis of adrenal fatigue. And of course, as Jess kind of set the stage, this this has gotten recent attention in pop culture through Gwyneth Paltrow and some of her other folks oh. that that promote alternative treatments as as you know another pseudoscience diagnosis emerges. And you know, as Eve, as you mentioned, musings of this has have been around for quite a while, but the official term adrenal fatigue. Um, seems to have been coined in 1988 by uh, a naturopath named James Wilson, who who was a self 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 ascribed alternative practitioner. So he described it as a group of related signs and symptoms, aka a syndrome, that results when the adrenal glands function below the necessary level. He said it's associated with intense stress and often follows chronic infections like bronchitis, flu, or pneumonia. He says that people with it may not have any physical signs of illness, but may feel tired, gray, and have fatigue that doesn't get better with sleep, and they also crave salty snacks. And so, you know, he basically attributed any post-viral syndrome with now this fake diagnosis of adrenal fatigue. So, you know, as we're seeing with COVID, right, when people recover from a viral infection, there are what we call sequelae. So sequelae are basically consequences as a result of past injury. And so, Tissue damage, inflammation, things like that that a virus can cause while your body is fighting off infection can lead to some persistent symptoms 
which is called a post-viral syndrome. Or in the case of COVID, it's post-acute sequelae of SARS-CoV-2 infection. So James Wilson here is now co-opting that and saying, no, no, that's actually adrenal fatigue. And so from there, then they, you know, diagnose it and they treat it and they sell things like IV vitamin therapy. So what they do is they they sell, we, we'll link to one example um, of a website, but they're selling intravenous vitamin therapy, first of all, probably with no regulations on sterility of the IV bag and all that mm-hmm. sort of thing. They also sell you on, you know, things that are basic healthy lifestyle habits that will supposedly cure adrenal fatigue, like you know, getting good sleep and things like that. And they also promote things like a low sugar diet, avoiding caffeine, avoiding junk food. I'm putting that in quotes because there's no real criteria for what they list (laughs) there, Um, as well as targeted nutritional supplements that include vitamins and minerals such as the B vitamins, vitamin C, magnesium. Um, And they claim that these are just for your adrenal health. Um, and yeah. so, you know, we know we, if you if you listen to our supplement episode, you know, if you have a healthy diet and healthy lifestyle, you you typically don't need to supplement with vitamins or minerals. But the bigger issue here is that supplements in general are not regulated for safety or efficacy. But more than that, um, many of these supplements that are purported to treat adrenal fatigue have other things in them mm-hmm. that are not necessarily listed on the ingredient list. Um, yes. <laughs> it's a it's an unknown and it's I mean I, I I tell every single patient that I see at this point gets the initial phrase for me which says please do not swallow something if you don't know what it is please do not apply creams if you don't know what they are please do not buy things from somebody who is selling a cure for all that ails you and you know just be smart and I feel like I have to say that to everybody now because People really, I mean, they're, everybody wants an answer and a quick fix and, um, you know, and they're being told that that's possible, but it's just not going to happen in the, you know, the traditional medicine because we're not holistic, you know, clinicians where, you know, that's crazy. Endocrine is a hormone. It's a, it's really the practice of like, you know, (laughs) hormones and glands. That's like the definition of holistic is I look at your whole body. Right. I mean, like, you know, it's just, it's all this like branded wellness marketing con and like that causes so much damage. Mm-hmm. Like I have patients who have been diagnosed with adrenal fatigue syndrome and which was clearly not what was going on with them. And they were given adrenal support supplements and guess what's in there? Steroids. Yeah. So, I mean, they are now, they went from actually having no dysregulation of their HPA axis, their hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis to having actually adrenal insufficiency and, you know, from steroid excess due to supplemental steroid administration. Meaning if you take a bunch of adrenal support things that have steroids in them, your adrenals turn off because your body says, I already have a lot of steroid. We're going to turn off and stop working. And if your adrenals turn off, there is a significant duration of time once that signal disappears before they turn back on. And that can be months. Um, you know, and so what you're doing in the interim is increasing your risk of diabetes, you're having weight gain, you're having sleep dysregulation, you're increasing your risk of fractures. I mean, all of the things that steroids do and you're suppressing your immune system. Plus you've now given yourself adrenal insufficiency, which can be fatal as well. I mean, so there's real tangible harm here to following some of these recommendations and, you know, people like Gwyneth Paltrow and Goop, I mean, just imagine how much good celebrities could do if they just didn't do this. Like, you know, if they just didn't (sighs) give medical recommendations and 
make shit up. I mean, honestly, sorry, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. But. <laughs> <That's> so, <laughs> so, so Eve, you're, I mean, you're answering a lot of questions that, that we got, but there, there's one in particular I just, I want to, um, to ask you. This one came from Substack subscriber Catherine, and she's really frustrated. She asked, you know, how is this constantly diagnosed by naturopathic doctors? At least everyone I know who sees one has been given this diagnosis, and it's always stage three. Mm-hmm. They are often pointed to IV vitamin treatments and restrictive diets to quote-unquote fix this and a never-ending list of supplements. Is it all a cash grab? So first and foremost, I didn't even know, are there stages to? No, of I mean, not. obviously this is all Well, it's not, not a real diagnosis, but right. even still, I mean, we use staging for cancer. Right, so um, they make it sound things scary. Like heart failure. Um, yeah, they're playing on emotions. There is absolutely... If it doesn't exist, you couldn't possibly have a stage of something that is not real. You could have, you know, like like make-believe stage one, make-believe stage two. But no, like the stage three is absolutely part of the con, you know, to be perfectly honest. So the answer I've is yes, it's before, all a cash grab. But it's all, I think it's mostly a cash grab. I think, look, I do think that, you know, a naturopathic doctor is not somebody who's gone to medical school. Yes. is it, they are, They're not playing from this by the same rules. They don't have the same degrees or licensing. And um, they have you know, really gone under the radar in terms of regulation and um, because they kind of fall in this like in between, like who's really in charge here. And they do typically have like legal statements on their websites, like this has not been FDA approved or none of these claims are scientific or, you know, but they don't tell you that in the office. And what they do in the office is they listen to people, right? Because they are not trying to take care of a different patient every 10 to 15 minutes. They can spend an hour because it's a cash business and there's not the same sort of need. And so Somebody leaves feeling like they have their answer, the answers to what's bothering them, that they were heard, that they had a great back and forth, and they truly trust this person. And, you know, that is a very hard relationship and a really hard, you know, experience to then challenge or break or disrupt from where I'm sitting. You know, if someone comes into me and I say, oh, well, everything you were told is totally made up and that person is like a bad person and they're scamming you. Like, guess what? That is not going to help the patient. It's also not going to convince the patient that what I'm telling them is correct. So, I mean, the key is you have to make sure that you're addressing what's really brought them into care and not just going after this, the quack who has, like, sold them a, a, you know, a fake bill of goods. Right. And I mean, Andrea, I know you feel strongly about this as it relates to, I know we've been saying these other sort of pseudoscientific um, diagnoses, but including chronic Lyme, we've had a lot of really mm-hmm. angry people who feel that we're, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, um, diminishing their experience, diminishing their experience. Exactly. Yes, exactly. And, and really we just, we want to help them get real answers to what they're dealing with. Right. And it seems like it's, well, the same exact situation. And but yeah, yeah, I think- it's a never-ending battle. I mean, I don't have an hour to explain this to everybody. And the need for endocrinology, I mean, there's like 7,000 practicing endos in the country, which is like a ratio of one endo to 42,000 patients that need it. Yeah. I don't have, nobody has the time or the ability to expand our expertise. And so what that's the problem. People kind of are go looking for answers, get sent down like a Google rabbit hole. And then, you know, get what they're really looking for with somebody who unfortunately doesn't have the expertise. And, you know, sometimes supplements make you feel better, whether it's placebo or even if you're on a little bit of steroid, like you may, it may make you feel better, right? Like that's the thing. We can't control for any of the, the side effects of things that have either not been regulated or have other reasons why you might feel like you're just being cared for. Um, You know, and I think it's hard to challenge that, especially when someone has invested 
emotional, mental, you know, energy into it, plus financial cost. Financial, yeah. Well, and I think, Eve, you know, you bring up a great point here, right? So, you know, naturopaths are not physicians, right? They call themselves doctors. The training they receive is not the same as, you know, medical training. Um, You know, it's not necessarily evidence-based or science-based. We are going to talk more about naturopathy on a future episode. But, you know, a lot of them call themselves doctors. They have very fancy, polished websites, Um, A lot of people don't know the differences between different types of degrees. And so they don't know the difference between someone calling themselves an ND versus an MD or a DO, which is an osteopathic physician, which is a recognized physician in the U.S. And so they just see someone calling themselves doctor. Um, A lot of times they have really big social media presence. and, And again, social media is not regulated, right? So anybody can post anything without, you know, any oversight. And they can make Mm -hmm. all these outlandish claims. And they can cultivate this big following and and get a lot of enthusiasm behind it. And, And, you know... Once the the barn door is open, it's really hard to get the horse back in there. Yes, it's really, really hard. And it is, um, it's a shame. I mean, it's so confusing. It's really, it's really deceptive. I mean, to have these like labels, like an ND versus an MD. Well, like, I don't know, that sounds really similar if you introduce right. yourself as doctor. Um, you know, and I think ultimately this is something that the, like medicine, like doctors and nurses and people who are in the medical system are just so tired. And they, like the fight is just like, there's not one more thing that we can take on. And so what it, you know, I think ultimately is going to come down to is like patients who have been, you know, who have experienced harm at the result of not getting the right care are going to, you know, as they get angrier and start talking more about it. We're, we're, you know, that, that I think will have a very powerful effect. Um, you know, we're doing our best, but we really, it's, it's very hard for us to, to reach the same amount and numbers of people as some, as some of these, you know, marketing experts yeah. are doing. Yeah. It's really, so it's you, an uphill battle, but let's talk. <laughs> I was going to say, Jess, you know, we talked a little bit about the supplements and Eve touched a little bit about, you know, people who are being prescribed hormone supplements or adrenal support that actually contain hormones. And I know you, you dug up some information about, you know, a, a, a review that looked at some of these supplements. I sure did. Um, So there's this Reuters article that we'll link, and it detailed um, Mayo Clinic proceedings from 2018 all about these supplements. And just as a reminder, these are not FDA approved, these are not regulated, and that's what makes this so scary. It's like the wild, wild west. So um, researchers uh, purchased the 12 most popular dietary supplements for enhancing metabolism, promoting energy, and easing so-called adrenal fatigue or providing, quote-unquote, adrenal support. And lab tests of the supplements found that they all contained thyroid hormone and most had at least one steroid hormone. This is exactly what you just said, Eve. Mm -hmm. Um, Supplements, uh, so the researchers noted that supplements Mm -hmm. sold as natural, organic, herbal, or plant-based may not be safe and may give patients a false reassurance. Now, most Americans who take dietary supplements buy them online or in stores. They do not consult their doctor and they often rely on um, product labels or promotional materials and websites to decide what to take. And this was all noted in the proceedings that we'll link. Also, roughly half of older adults take dietary supplements often while taking prescription medications that may interact badly with supplements and cause serious or even fatal side effects. And so I think Eve, you were just saying taking too much 
thyroid hormone can mm-hmm. lead to life-threatening heart problems, bone damage, mm-hmm. excessive weight loss, tremors, and agi- agitation. Now, there were some other things. You'll have to pronounce these things. I don't know what they are. But every supplement in this study contained a small amount of a thyroid hormone known as T3. There's yep. no way I'm pronouncing the full. Triiodothyronine. It's one of the two hormones that are active, (laughs) bioavailable and active and made by the thyroid gland. It's really actually um, the active hormone that is um, regulated within the nucleus of each cell. So it's the active thyroid hormone um, that people, you know, hear about all the time, Um, especially on these websites. (laughs) In addition to T3, seven of the 12 supplements contained at least one adrenal or steroid hormone. Um, the most commonly detected hormone was, Andrea, help me out here, pregnenolone. Pregnenolone. There you go. It's a, it's oh a precursor gosh. in the adrenal steroid pathway. Okay, and that was in five supplements. And people who accidentally take adrenal or steroid hormones may experience symptoms. Again, we just talked about some of these like weight gain, hair loss, depression, acne, stretch marks, and some more, you know, potentially life-threatening shutdown of the adrenal glands, as Mm -hmm. you just said. The thing that scared me the most is that none of the products tested mentioned any thyroid or steroid hormones on their labels or on their ingredient lists that were included with packaging materials. So these things are in there. They're potentially very harmful and people have no idea what they're ingesting. Exactly. Remember when I said every single one of my patients, I say, please don't swallow something if you don't know where it is. Um, It's for this exact reason, because you know what? These like the people who are selling this and who are making this, they don't have to disclose what is in them. Right. I mean, that's the whole problem. Their um, supplements fall under a different FDA regulation process, or they don't, they're not regulated. They're not yeah. medicines. They're food, right? So it's like a totally, right. it's totally different. And so, you know, that the company can just say like, well, we just didn't know it was in there, um, you know, and it's up to us. I mean, we saw this in things like prenatal vitamins, where we went through and looked at like the iodine content and, you know, whether, how much folic acid and like the, the amount that was needed for maternal and fetal health was like not consistently available in most of the prenatal vitamins, like when this was studied like 10 years ago, you know? And so that was brought to the attention of, you know, scientists and fixed, but this is something that is, you know, of course they don't have to list it. Why would they list that actually something you're taking to help you with something that you think you have is actually going to make it much, much worse and give you a real new problem. They won't. It's Okay, it's we really... need to do an entire episode on prenatal vitamins. Yeah, yeah. seriously. <laughs> seriously. It's very, it's very yeah. scary. And so so I want to get into a little bit more about these legitimate medical issues, but I want to yeah. really just hit home the point that a systematic review of over 58 studies have concluded that there is no scientific basis to associate adrenal impairment as a cause of fatigue. So in a nutshell, adrenal fatigue is not a medical condition. Your adrenals do not become tired and are just producing less cortisol. Now, as Eve has already mentioned, there are some legitimate medical issues that are related to adrenal gland or cortisol dysfunction. And those have real diagnoses, real criteria, and real ways to medically manage them. So you've got kind of the two extremes. You've got... Um, adrenal insufficiency, which as Eve mentioned, the autoimmune is called Addison's disease. This is basically where your adrenal gland is not functioning. It's functioning 
below the level it needs to be. So it's insufficient. Um, Some people have basically said, well, adrenal fatigue is just a mild version of Addison's, which is not true. And it's certainly not affecting 80% of people. Addison's disease is quite rare. Um, The prevalence that I found is about 40 to 60 people per million amongst the general population. The opposite side of the scope is Cushing syndrome, which is when your adrenal gland is overperforming, so it's on constant high alert, producing too much cortisol. This is also very rare. It's about 10 to 15 people per million. The most common cause is a small tumor on the pituitary gland called an adenoma, and this accounts for about 70% of cases. Um, and, And Cushing's is most common in adults between 20 and 50 years old, and about 70% of cases are amongst women. So um, Eve, can you quickly touch on these, talk a little bit about, sure. you know, how these are diagnosed and how they're medically managed, just really to distinguish them from this, you know, fake pseudoscience diagnosis of adrenal fatigue? Sure. So um, Cushing syndrome, I would say, is one of the most complicated diagnoses to make in medicine um, because of the dynamic changes in all of the hormones that we're trying to measure. But it's really a, a state of excess glucocorticoids such as cortisol, uh, circulating in the system at, you know, without any sort of up and down, not responding to stress, as if you were under the fight part of fight and flight at all times. And so it's, it, the most common cause of Cushing's is actually exogenous steroids. So treatment of you know, any like asthma, treatment of rheumatologic disorders, anything that requires steroids like prednisone or hydrocortisone or dexamethasone, that is actually the most common cause of Cushing's. Um, but pituitary is the most common cause of endogenous Cushing's, like Cushing's disease. Um, but the way that we diagnose it, there's a few different ways, but we're looking for evidence of hypercortisolism that, does no, that no longer is responding to you know, feedback and that is persistent despite time of day or hours. So we look at things like a late night salivary cortisol which is when your cortisol level should be very, very low. If it's distinctly elevated, that's not normal. And then we do it again, right? We never rely on one test, but we'll do that twice. We'll do a 24-hour urine cortisol evaluation, or we will actually give a steroid like dexamethasone um, overnight and measure a morning cortisol level to see, does your HPA axis respond appropriately to exogenous steroids? So there's a bunch of complicated tests that we do that for that. Um, and with Addison's disease, it's a... Um, there, there are other ways that we look at it. We usually do a, dynam- a dynamic test called a cosentropin stimulation test where you actually give somebody the pituitary signal called ACTH or cosentropin and you give them a, a big dose and you look to see does the adrenal cortisol response, is, is the cortisol jumping up appropriately to the signal? And if your cortisol does not go up appropriately with the signal, that there's something wrong with the adrenal glands. It can't respond. Um, you know, and there are some other uh, dynamic things that we can do for, for secondary adrenal insufficiency from pituitary disease, but that, that's a little bit, I think, um, more complex. But there are very well-validated testing scenarios that we, that we know how to do, and it is complicated even when you do have the diagnosis. Now, what I see for people with this adrenal fatigue is somebody has asked them to test 24-hour salivary cortisols, and they come in with these long, like, color-coded pieces of paper that have their variability, and then it's just, you know, it goes up and down and up and down, and they say, like, look, see, it's up and down all the time, or it's high all the time, that's not normal, but you haven't actually provoked the HPA axis to prove the pathology, and in fact, what they show me oftentimes is either normal or it's a lab that's not validated or regulated, and and the results are uninterpretable. 
Yeah. Yeah. And that's something that happens with a lot of these pseudoscience diagnoses, mm-hmm. right? They're using labs, they're lab shopping, they're using unvalidated tests. So, you know, what and I'm kind of... labs, like if you send off enough of them, they will come back abnormal because they're always changing and they're, you have to send the right test for the right context at the right time. Yeah, that's a great point. So, you know, what I'm hearing is to diagnose legitimate adrenal gland issues such as Cushing's or Addison's, there are validated medical and laboratory diagnostic testing that are typically performed longitudinally to track changes or the lack of change after different Mm -hmm. sorts of perturbations. And it's not something like reporting generic symptoms and using an unvalidated test to diagnose something like adrenal fatigue. And there are some things that are very clear, you know, like there are electrolyte disturbances. There's, you know, Addison's disease can present in a variety of ways, but, you know, um, hemodynamic collapse is, is not subtle, right? Um, you know, salt craving is a thing with mineral corticoid deficiency, which we see in Addison's disease, but not in other types of um, adrenal insufficiency. Um, and so that there's like a little bit of science weaved into some right. of the adrenal fatigue stuff, which is where people get confused. But also salt craving is, is you know, there's a difference between saying I want to eat a pretzel or pizza versus like I'm licking salt off the road because <laughs> I am so mineral corticoid deficient. You know, I mean, it's just not the same magnitude and it has to all be, it has to fit a pattern. That's a great point. Jess, I'm going to... I was just going to say, yeah, Eve, I am obsessed with you and your brain, and we are so grateful to you for taking Wait, the time like to help us. that's the nicest compliment ever. Thank uh, you. I'm obsessed with your brain, yeah. I'm obsessed with your brain. I mean, no, but we're in really. the nerdy neighborhood all for a reason, right? <laughs> but you, you really, um, thank you for sharing your expertise with us and, and bringing some science and awareness to, um, you know, to... to I don't want to say to adrenal fatigue since this obviously this entire episode we're talking about how it's not a real diagnosis um, but about issues surrounding this and, and, and helping us you know poke holes in the legitimacy yeah. of this industry and help folks maybe be better armed to not fall prey to some of these marketing tactics. Yeah, I mean, I um, think step one is like trying to pre-bunk, right? What, the same thing we do with COVID misinformation is that, you know, inoculate people against some of the wellness messaging. And it's really hard to do when you don't have the same type of microphone as others, yeah. you know. But I think podcasts, you know, consistent messaging, social media, like we're trying to take it to the, you know, meet people where they are. It's just, it's a challenge. It's a huge challenge. It's definitely an uphill battle, but thank you. That's for- why I love your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and we love you and, and your, all, the, all the work you do with impact and trying to combat all sorts of misinformation, particularly, you know, in this wheelhouse with COVID, with everything. Um, Eve, is there anything else you'd like to leave our listeners with before we wrap today? It's a good question. I think just, you know, a little, healthcare is going through a major, a major crisis point right now. We don't have enough staffing or enough enough providers to be able to deliver the care that we want to. And so I, I ask people for kindness. Um, we have a lot of, we know a lot of people are very angry and it's showing up in our offices, a lot of harassment and bullying of nurses and doctors. And, you know, if we can just show up and treat people well and be kind and try and put yourself in someone else's shoes, you know, that's what we try and do for for patients. And we just, we ask for the same in, in return. I love that. Um, well, thank you all for joining us today. We hope you learned a thing or two, and we hope you are now armed with the real information about adrenal fatigue, or rather that it's not real. 
And hopefully that will arm you to not fall prey for some of these supplements that people are pushing. And if you like our pod, please share with your friends and family and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And as we mentioned at the beginning, if you want more unbiased science, check out our Substack Substack subscription. (laughs) We post extended content there on a daily basis and regularly respond to questions and comments. We also may feature one of your questions in our Heard from the Herd segment on a future episode. You'll also have access to our private Facebook group and monthly live Q&As. So check it out at theunbiasedscipod.substack.com. Next episode, we are going to tackle the topic of sunscreen, from how to use it to differences between chemical and mineral sunscreen, and of course, to addressing misconceptions about chemical composition and safety. We will, of course, continue to provide updates on COVID-19 and other topics on our social media accounts, so be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at UnbiasedSciPod. And be sure to follow Dr. Eve Bloomgarden and Impact at Eve BMD on Twitter and at Impact for the number four HC on Twitter and Instagram. Catch you next time on the pod, your trusted source for no nonsense, just science. Woo!